Hey, this is Billy Claudio. I'm the pastor of Oasis Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope you find freedom today through the gospel. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. I feel so tired. No, I'm just kidding. I don't feel tired. I went to bed. How many of you went to bed early last night? Yeah, how many of you went to bed late? Some of you didn't make it today because you were late. I'm glad that you, for the for online visitors, glad you're joining us online. Um, I'm glad you guys are in person. I was like, it's, you know, New Year's Day, like Christmas Day fell on a Sunday, and I was like, well, who's going to show up? The faithful! Hey! You guys get some great celebrations with us. Happy New Year to all of you. I am really excited about what is ahead for um, you, for Oasis. The plan that God has, you know, as I was praying and, and just asking the Lord about dynamic, maybe a word that I would have for us as a church. And one of the things the Lord kind of just revealed to me and reminded me, the word is, is, the word is move, is that, that we're, this year is going to be a moving year. And when I say move, I don't mean move out of state. I mean moving. I mean, I mean the idea of something moving in your life. You know, when the, when the scripture started in Genesis 1, the Bible says that God was hovering over the face of the earth. You know, God was hovering in, in, in nothingness and began something. His motion, his, his words began everything. And I want you to know that God has a word for you this year. And a part of it is going to be moving. God is going to be taking you from one place to another place to another place. This idea of God's activity being a part of who you are, of, of, a, of his strength and, and grace at work within you. This is going to be a year of moving for all of us. And my prayer is, is that we jump into J1, that we say, Lord, let it begin now. Let it begin in me now. A couple of special things that are going on. First, I want to thank all of our great volunteers during the holiday season. A lot of effort and work went into it. And... Um, it was really a special time, what happened during uh, Christmas time, the salvation is just people coming to the Lord, and uh, that's just a beautiful thing always to my heart. It's one of our heart things is we want to see people find Jesus. We really do. We want them, we, we want people, people to know God. We're going to talk a little bit about it today, and I'm just so ecstatic about the things that the Lord is doing. Um, and there's some transitions that are coming for us that, I don't know, many of you know Macy, she works in our front office there. She's the admin. She's amazing. Well, she has graduated from college here last month, and she, yeah, she is... So she is ready to jump into what her degree has given her opportunity to do. She let us know at the beginning of at the end of November that she was going to be stepping away. So all of you that normally call on your phones and get a hold of, of Macy, you're going to have a new person in there that you're going to meet. Uh, and it's Esme. You don't know Esme yet, maybe, but that's Esme right there. Esme Via, she's been a part of our church for a long time, and it just so happened she was right in the middle of transition when this was happening, and so we're excited to have uh, Esme in play, and Macy's going to be around, she's just going to be moving on to a different part of her life journey, we're excited about what's ahead first, so uh, just so you know, Esme's going to be our new admin in our office, and we're, we're blessed to have her, she was with us all last week, and uh, it's really, really, really a blessing to have her as a part of that, and we're going to miss Macy, but we know that God's got some great things in store for her. Also, I got something that... I mean, you know, how many of you know God is good? All the time and all the time. You know, we, uh, the last year was a, a challenging year in lots of different ways, but um, the Lord shined his face on us and his grace came upon us. And, uh, you know, in this last month we had a $150,000 matching pledge. A lot of people gave toward that, that challenge at the end of the uh, end of the year last year, and thank you for all of you that gave generosity. It's through your consistent generosity that we're able to do what we do, to have our team, to have this beautiful building, to do all the ministries that we do. And, you know, we do lots of different things in, in ministry, all kinds of things. We uh, 
are part of church planning. I don't know if you know, we uh, helped plant um, a church at the bridge on the other side of town, and they are starting to do a building fund this past year, and we sowed a large seed into their building fund, and we're so grateful and thankful to be able to do that. Well, this last month, someone came to me, and, and they, they said, you know, the Lord has blessed me in a, in a, a really great way, and uh, I want to do something special for the church that would, would be valuable. And uh, she came into my office. Don and I were sitting there. You want to come up with me? You sure? <laughs> Dawn and I were uh, sitting in my office, and uh, this person brought a check for $653,000. And this is the note for the church. This is what we owed. We owed Thank God for the bank. They blessed us for a little while now. Thank God for his generosity, his blessing. Um, what a praise report um, to celebrate a debt-free church that now focuses our attention even more on our grand heart to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, the, the joy of being able to say that and do that is, and I know this, is God is moving. God is doing something special. And you get to celebrate with us today his grand benevolence through people, right? That's how we experience benevolence. It is God's love through one another. And it's just a reminder for all of us, let us be those people that allow the generousness of God to touch the lives of people that are around us so that we can bring hope and um, blessing to their lives. And um, I'm, just, I'm just overwhelmed with with generosity and, and, the, and the love of God and God's blessing on our life, and um, we're just excited about what God is doing. So we're going to jump into a, a, our, our series called This Is Us. Uh, the, the idea is, who is Oasis? You know, we're, we've actually, I don't know if you noticed on the wall out there, we had a vision statement that we've had for, for a long time, and over the last uh, six months, we've been working hard on uh, re, reinvigorating the vision statement and making it simpler for people to be able to possess, to hold, to know, and to be able to share. I know if I ask many of you in here how many of you would be able to say that vision statement, most of you would go, uh, no. So we're making it very simple. Um, we're changing our vision statement. We're not changing the vision of Oasis Community Church. It stays the same. The vision statement is inside the new vision statement is integrated all the things that we have practiced and done for a long period of time. Um, but I'm going to give it out to you so you can hear. You've probably already seen it as you came in. Um, our vision of Oasis Community Church is we want to teach people to know God, to grow healthy, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. You got that? How hard is that? Right? Know God, grow healthy, discover purpose, and make a difference. Over the course of the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about what that means and what that looks like because I want every one of you to be moving forward to become all that God wants you to be. You know, everybody in life is on a continuum somewhere. Some of you, maybe you're here, you don't have faith in Christ. Maybe you're kicking the tires of Christianity, wondering if that's what you want to do. Some of you have been Christians since you can remember, and that's a long time ago. And maybe you're stuck in your journey. Maybe there's a place where you're not moving at all. You find yourself kind of lethargic in your spiritual walk and your spiritual journey. 
God doesn't want us to be that way. God wants a vibrancy of, of his grace, of his goodness, of his work inside of us that continues to keep us motivated and inspired. And this year, we're going to be moving. We're going to be moving to the next thing that God has for us, the next step that he has for our lives. We're going to be inviting everybody in our church to go. We're going to do something starting uh, this next, I think in, in, uh, in February, something called Growth Track. And basically, it's the integration of you figuring out where are you, where do you need to go, what's the next thing for you, and we want as pastors to help you get to the next level or moving to the next spot that you are called to be in so that you can be vibrant. As a pastor, I want you to be excited about what God's doing in your life. I don't want, I don't want you to be kind of dragging yourself along in your faith. I want you to be growing. And so we have a strategy and a plan on how to get you integrated into God's blessing and plan in your life. And it's, it's a good one. And one that I think that God desires for every single one of us. Um, you're on a journey with God. That journey is inviting you to something special. And, and as God is inviting you to say, what is it I'm supposed to discover? What is the next thing that I'm going to do? I just want to encourage you. Do it. Make the move forward to what God wants you to be doing. You know, God has so much in store for you. So much. I mean, he really does. He has so much in store for you. This year of 2023, God wants to just do great things in your life. He wants to rock your world in a good way. You know, we know what it feels like to have our world rocked in a bad way. God wants to rock your world in a good way. God wants to do something in you so significant that all you can do is go, wow, thank you, Lord. All you can do is respond with a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving and, and honor and praise to God because God is doing something. And I want you to join together with me in faith to believe that God is going to do something in you, that you are going to have a year of his flourishing in life. God desires for that work to be inside of you. He wants you to grow and to, and, and to flourish in his grace. Notice what it says in Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with your joy and your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You know, one of my roles, I want you to see it says, God has a what? A path for your life. One of my jobs has helped you discover the path. To get you on the path, to cheer for you on the path, to, to be motivating you on that path so you stay in line with where God is leading and guiding you. God has a path. God has steps for you to take. And I and we as a church want to help you on those growth steps forward. So as we encourage every one of you to contemplate, and again, I, I'll say it again, we're starting this growth track that I want everyone to plan. I know some of you are like, well, I'm so mature and so spiritual. I don't need that. How many of you can trust me in leadership? Right? I, I want you to, 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 some of you are just going to go, well, I don't need that. And I want you to just tell that voice to shut up. <laughs> and to say, God has a plan for me to move. And to move, God has given a strategy to the leaders in my life and the spiritual influences in my life to get me into, into that new motion. And again, I believe it's for your benefit. I believe it's for the flourishing of the grace of God inside of you. And the person that you've got to talk to the most is yourself. You know, stinking thinking gets in our heads and we begin to abide by that thought. We begin to live in that thought. We begin to just do what that, that old nature said or, the, or the, the way we find is a normative way. And God's saying, no, it's time for a new thing. You know, Isaiah, our, our founding scripture, God is doing a new thing. Perceive it, understand it. He's inviting you to see it and to move. When we focus on the next step of the path, we will always grow. 
And this is our encouragement this year. We, we want you to go to the next step. You know, vibrant churches are moving churches. There's things that are happening that grow us. When people grow stagnant, things go south. But when we grow, it's step by step. We see things begin to happen church-wide in a global perspective. I, I love, I heard a pastor say this. Now, we, we believe here in the Oasis Community Church, it goes with our, our four kind of founding thoughts as well. Lost people are saved. Saved people are pastored. Pastored people are being discipled. And discipled are being mobilized. Right? That's the vision of it. We want people to come to Christ. We do want them to, to, to be pastored, to grow healthy, to, to find a new value of themselves, to find a better version of themselves. We want that work to understand the purpose that God has given them, discovering that, and in the joy of discovering that purpose, then begin to put it into play and make a difference. We use those gifts in a beautiful way so that God's name is glorified and we can say to ourselves, wow, I really am blessed and I'm not making it up. You know, some people, you know, they say those things that I'm blessed, but in an essence, they're kind of, you know, making it up as they go. They really don't feel blessed. And I want you to experience the blessing of God. And I believe this with all of my heart that God has his blessings in store for you in 2023. Proverbs 29, I shared this a few weeks back, says this. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I, I want you to see what God is doing. I, I, don't, I don't want you stumbling anymore. Some of you have been kind of dragging your knees on the ground because you're not seeing anything that God is doing. You've lost your motivation. You've lost your influence. You've lost that inspiration to, to, to be in the good graces of God, to be doing the things that God has called you to do. And I want you to see again because I know in seeing, when you attend, you see it and say, now I'm going to do it. I'm going to move and apply it. You will be what? Blessed. God's intention for you is to experience his blessings in life so that you can move forward. And when you look at this new year, that's what I want you to see. This, my year of 2023, is going to be a blessed year because I am going to attend to what God is speaking in my life. In Ephesians, you know, all, all throughout Scripture, these four things that, that I share of our vision are found multiple times throughout Scripture of God leading his people to say, I'm going to, I'm going to save you, I'm going to heal you, I'm going to show you what you're supposed to do, and I'm going to get you doing it, right? That's throughout Scripture we see God in the Old Testament and the New Testament inspiring people in this mode of action from one step to another step to another step to another step. Now, I, I, I'm glad that even in the context of these four steps, God is never inviting us to not to do something new. He's always got growth and development. I hope that you can say, I'm not who I used to be, and I'm not yet who I want to be, but I am in progress. Right? I'm, not, I'm not held back. I'm not holding back. I am in progress of what God wants me to do, and I want to remind you. Today's a new day. It's a new year. you got a new opportunity to make 2023 be off the hook. Right? It's, it's here for you, for the taking, and, and to take it, it requires you to move. It requires do something that you've never done so you can have something you've never had. Right? It's this motion for your soul to say, it's time for me to take hold that which God has taken hold of me. Paul makes the statement in Philippians, he says, I don't have it all together yet, but I want to take hold of what God has taken hold of for me. I want, to, I want to grab it, I want to perceive it, I want to move in that direction, because in that is a spiritual motivation and something called hope. The world has been quite hopeless lately. And many Christians have been quite hopeless alongside of them. And that's not as it should be. We ought to be the people of hope. 
with a message of hope about the light of the world that changes who we are and how he works in our lives. Paul makes this statement, and we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, and we see this dynamic of these four ingredients of, of our vision statement in this. He says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. All right? He's wanting to make you awake. You ever felt like you've been sleeping spiritually? Like just not seeing anything. Just kind of, mmm. And you feel like you got that blind eyes and deaf ears. You just can't see what God's doing. God wants to, Paul's saying, I'm praying. This is his prayer. He's like, I am, my heart for you is that you would see. I want you to see because if you see, you can move. There, something can happen when you see. You won't be running into walls. Something will come alive. I want to give you a spirit of wisdom and relation so that you may, notice what it says, know him. God's number one reason to, to, to express his love to you today is because he wants you to know him. He wants you to experience him within your life. That term know there is gnosko. It's, it's, a, it's a Greek word that, that kind of has a, an intimate relationship in mind. Not a sexual relationship, but an intimate relationship of, of a deep closeness. You know, the, when the scripture speaks of Adam knew Eve, that word would be gnosko. It's, that, it's so intimate, right? It almost gives that context of a marriage, of that, that connectivity. Well, God wants to, you to know him in a deep way. You know, when I got married to my wife and we said, I do, how many know that wasn't my last day of building a relationship with her? I didn't say, oh, I'm, I'm married. I, I do whatever I want. No, I'm married, which means now I, I really have to invest in this relationship. I want it to grow and to spark, and I want it to have great meaning. And so over the 34 years of marriage that we've had, we've had this beautiful picture of growth and development in our love for one another. This is the picture that God wants us to have with him. He wants us to know him. Some of you maybe are here today, and, and when I say know God and have intimacy with God, you, it's an abstract idea for you. You grew up in a religion. You grew up around God and maybe you've done the due diligence. You've, you know, haven't missed Sunday school. You did all the things you were supposed to do, marked across everything that you did. But on the inside, there's a sense of you that seems lost. There's no vibrancy. Maybe that idea, and again, the context of today that I will bring to bear is the idea, God wants you to know him. In an, intimate, in an intimate sense to, to say, yes, if someone asks you about God, it's like your eyes. When someone asks me about my wife, I don't go, I married her one day and I have. No, when I talk about her, there's, the, there's a vibrancy comes to it. When I tell people about who she is and what she does and the parts of her lives that I love and the parts that I don't love. The vibrancy might go down a little bit on that part. My point is, is that I speak about her as if it's someone that I really know. You know, some people talk about God like they talk about John Wayne. They, they, they know John Wayne. He's a movie star. He was, you know, famous movie star. I like his movies. But you don't know him. And someone says, well, tell me more about him. I'm like, well, like I said, he's a movie star. There's, 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 no in, there's no intimate knowledge of him. And so our relationship with, with God sometimes, for some, it's like John Wayne. There is no connectivity to the intimacy of God. It is if they're speaking about someone that doesn't really exist in the present realm of their being. But God wants you to know him. Be known by him. It is one of the 
first and most important things that we do in our, in our relationship with God. And listen, there's a longing in every human to know God. Everybody, there's a, there's a longing in our, we've been made in the image of God and the made in the image of God, there's this, there's this disconnection if we don't have God that we long for something more. And it's by design. God made us to have that longing and that need and that, that want to say, I need that filled. And I want you to know that it's our responsibility when God enlightens himself to us to move toward him. Allow his grace to become a part of our life. We have to know him. We have to know him better. The second part in there, he says this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. God wants us, you know, you say, well, the eyes of my heart, you know, not the eyes of my head, the eyes of my heart that let me see life as it, as it is. You know, do you realize that where you sit as I'm preaching today, everybody's hearing me from, with a different perspective? I say God loves you. One person's like, oh, God loves me. Another person's like, I don't even know what love means. Because they experience life based on everything that has been before to this place today. I can say the same thing, and people's experience will be driven by the, the reality of their life. Which is why many times as a pastor, I try to communicate in different forms and different ways so that people can understand. And, and I want them to have their eyes to perceive the truth of who God is beyond their pain, beyond their suffering, beyond the dysfunction that all of us possess, our own reality of our past life experiences that we bring when we hear. And what God is, is wanting, as we hear Paul praying, I want God to open your eyes so that you can see the truth of really what God is saying. And this invitation that we have of experiencing God in a dynamic way. You know, the, the, the message paraphrase says that in this passage of our hearts being enlightened, he wants our heart that is focused and clear. He wants that mode for us. You know, we all have trust problems and, and hang-ups and hurts and, and addictions, things that mess us up, and, and God wants to get through all the thick of that so he can bring healing to our souls. And you know where healing comes? Healing comes from one another. You know, the Bible says in James, pray for one another that you may be healed. The, the way that we begin to engage and let our hearts be made well is when we begin to connect to one another. We begin to find the value and joy of, of, of sharing in community. And God begins to use us to minister to one another and bring healing to one another. You know, your experience has had very negative maybe impact and someone that can turn the perspective by positive impact and say, I know what you went through, but let me give you a different picture of God that maybe you've never seen, heard, or know. And it's through that community that things begin to shift and things begin to change. Our eyes begin to be opened. He begins to use the people that are in our lives. And this is what I love here about Oasis. You know, I had someone earlier, uh, before I came out, just talked about how, what a joy it is to be here. That they, they, they feel that connection and that, that the beauty of the love of God that's shared with us at Oasis. Do you realize that that's healing? Itself? It's paradigm shifting itself? And when we take it to the next level to say, I'm going to commit to somebody else. I'm going to commit to a small group. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to allow myself to be in environments where healing and wellness and restoration can begin to take place. It begins to totally reform our lives. We call it transform our lives into making a, a, a new form of us. Because God wants your eyes to be enlightened. He, he wants you to be made well. He, he wants you to be healed. He wants you to experience his best. You know, uh, you know, just because you've got difficulties, you know, it, difficulties in life don't keep you from heaven. They make life like hell on earth, which you don't want. 
But by the grace of God, we can have one another. You know, one of the strategies we have at Oasis is our small groups. It's not just a nice thing to do or off-the-cuff thing to do. It is where people will find healing. It is where your next step might be. That You've just said, well, people aren't safe. So guess what I'm not going to be a part of? Small groups, because people aren't safe. I've done it before, or the people that I've been in my life, all the groups I've ever had, have only caused me pain, suffering, and injury. And I want you to know, maybe the next step for you is engaging into something you've never done before because you want to have something you've never had before, which is a healed, more functional life that God wants to make alive in you, which leads to the next step. Your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That discover your purpose, right? I want you to know that as we begin, we find Christ. We realize that we're born again. We, we begin to get into the environment of people that begin to say, yeah, you, you, you can be all that God wants you to be, and God has a different story to tell, and, and you, you, you mean something. You matter. We begin to go, yeah, do I matter? I, I, maybe God has something for my life. And I want you to know for everybody in here, God has something for your life. You matter. And when you discover your purpose, a new hope comes alive in you. Because you're like, I do matter, and this is where I matter. This is, this is what I, God designed me this way, and we're all different. We're all unique. We're all special. We're, there's something unique about all of our lives, and that uniqueness is a God-specific uniqueness. It is God's way of making you. You, you, you. you do what you do. You think the way that you think, and it was by God's design, and he wants you to find the value of how he has made you and the hope that comes with that to say, oh, God made me this way so I can do X, whatever that is. All of a sudden, you're like, yeah, my life does matter. And then we begin to view life like, you know, most people, you know, view life like by their problems, you know, how, how many problems they have. And they, they, they can't see their work because they're so distracted by their problems. But I, I want you to know, I don't want to help you through your problems. If I can help you find purpose, your problems won't matter that much anymore. You can work through them yourself. Because you got a reason to live. You, you got a, yeah, if you got to fa- face a fight, that's okay. That's life, isn't it? But you got something to do. You're a person that's engaged for a purpose and a call. It, it energizes you to say, I will face those challenges that I, I'm going to face because God has given me something I'm supposed to do. It gives us hope, which moves us to the last function of this, which is we're called to make a difference. Let's finish this. He says, in order that you made to the hope which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You know, we have an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. And I'm excited to get to heaven one day to see that inheritance and enjoy the privilege of it. And, and that's going to be a wonderful thing. But I want you to know, what are the inheritances? What do we get to send ahead? What, what is the stuff that we get to do that's on the front side? Well, the only thing that's eternal is people. Right? They're eternal, the people that we contact. You know, your car, how many of you love your car? Yeah, not, not going, it's out. Right? All the things that you look at that maybe are so critical and important, whether it be your job or all the, I want you to know all those things are temporal. But people are eternal. And one of the joys that we have is when we begin to make an impact in the lives of people, we know that those results are eternal results. We're, we're actually sending forward rewards into heaven because of our action toward blessing people. You know, <clears throat> when we receive this beautiful gift, it was someone's action to say, I want to do something. They have an eternal reward for that. They, they gave up an earthly reward for a heavenly reward. They were willing to say, <clears throat> you know what? 
This doesn't matter as much as that does. So I'm, I'm able to do this. I want you to know that when we begin to do the things that God has called us to do, we understand our purpose. We begin to make a difference. Something dynamic begins to happen. Sociologists say that, that the happiest people are the ones not with the least problems, but the ones who are doing the most for other people. That's what the world says. They say the highest level of living is when you can lay at night and say, I impacted the life and made a difference for someone else. People that go to bed with that thought have the greatest heights of, of, of good feelings. Science proves that endorphins are released when we live as generous humans. Which means what? We're doing something that is making a difference in the life of somebody else. There is no greater good that we can do in honor to God than to understand He saved us and wants us to know Him. He wants us to be made well so that when we represent Him well, people go, well, there's a functional Christian instead of, well, there's a crazy Christian. Right? Why do I want you well? Because I want you to represent Jesus good, and I want you to experience what he can do. He can change your heart. He can heal your hurts. He can, he can change the frame of your thinking. He can make you happy again. He can get you out of that depression. He can get you into newness of life. He can bring joy to your lo- broken soul. God can do great things. And then he can reveal himself and say, look what I got for you to do. I made you this way. You're ready for this. It's time to move and get it done. You start doing your purpose, and that always leads us to doing something for somebody else that makes us go, God, what a blessing it is to be able to do what I'm doing. And when you go to bed, you're like, I'm doing something for God. I'm making a difference. Let's let 2023 be a year that we say, God, I'm going to make a difference. I am going to make a difference for you. He's inviting us as we... Look into this new year. He's, gonna, he's inviting us to see change, to experience change, to be change. And I believe we're going to do it. I believe this year is going to be a dynamic year for you as a person. It's going to be a dynamic for, your, for us as a church. And I want to go back as I close with this, these thoughts. The first is this. And one of the most important things I do every week. Knowing God is the key to life. If you don't know God... You don't have the key to life. I was raised in a uh, Catholic family, and there's all kinds of Catholic families. There's always a lot of kids involved. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, my parents, you know, my mom was devout. My dad wasn't too devout. Actually, my dad wasn't devout at all. And my experience growing up as, as a kid was, was a god of Catholicism, right? I, you'd go to, we'd go to Mass, and you'd experience the grandeur of it. Uh, you know, we traveled when I was zero to five. We were overseas, and so sometimes we'd go, you know, to places where you didn't understand both languages, you know. Um, the, the whatever language was in the country you were in, but then in, you know, the mass was in Latin, and you didn't understand that. And then we came back to, to the States, and my experience of God, I, I did, you know, some catechism. I didn't really go through the whole thing, but I was a part of that whole process. And my, my relationship with God, based on my upbringing, didn't make me know God. I knew about God. I knew He existed. I, there was a part of me that believed in God. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Sure, there's got to be a God. I mean, I looked around. You know, people sometimes wonder, you know, if God exists. I'm like, just look around a little bit. <laughs> 
I mean, look up to the sky. I was just seeing some of these new photographs that came out of one of these uh, things we've shot into space and the magnificence of other galaxies and just the, just the amazement of it all and to go, you know, this stuff didn't happen by accident. And just our humanness, the reality that we exist as humans and, you know, people that talk about the evolution of, of, of one thing to the next to the next to the next that brings us, I was like, man, God, God created us, man. He, this is, we're, we're too dynamic, too, there's too much about us. But more importantly, you know, if everything was survival of the fittest, there's something about us that's wrong because there's something in every human being that every one of us have to deal with. We, we have something called morality. And like, if there is no God, there is no such thing as morality. It just doesn't, it wouldn't exist. It can't exist because it doesn't matter. The survival of the fittest isn't moral. It's just the strongest wins and can do whatever they want, do whoever they want, whenever they want, because they're the strongest, and that's just how it works. Unless there's a God that somehow in our DNA placed in every one of us a moral code that, that says to us when we do something that we shouldn't do, and, and we don't even have to be taught that. We don't even have to be told that. When we do things that we go that injure and cause pain, there's something inside every one of us that goes, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. There's a morality that we have that's undeniable. In every culture around the world, there's a natural morality that's in play. And again, morals change and shift a little bit in a general sense around the globe of what people call morals. But there are standard ones that stay the same in every culture. No matter where you go, you can find a tribe in the middle of nowhere. And guess what they're going to have? A moral code. Why? Because it's a divine code that we can't get away with. It speaks to us every day in this, this idea of I want to do right and I need to do right, only finding out that we can't live up to our own moral code, our standard. But God says, you know what? You've got that moral code, but there's more than meets the eye. It's just not about a law and just doing what is right because we all know this, that we don't have the power to do what's right on our own. Have you ever found found out you can't do as good as you like to do? You just don't, we don't win enough. You know, we don't, we're, we, do, we don't do right enough. And, and this is where the idea of God's invitation to us and humans is, I want you to know me. As I, as I grew, and at nine years old, my mom, well, we were living in Colorado, and we, we went to one of these little Bible studies they were having in the Catholic Church, and it was the first time I was outside of the, of, of the practical Catholic Church. We were kind of in a side room, and somebody was playing the guitar, and someone was clapping, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. At nine, I was like, what the heck is going on here? Like this isn't like, uh, this isn't like other church. This is like this is like new church, and I saw something in the lives of the people that were there, kind of a smile and a and and a and a and a, and a sense of worship to God, like they were connected. It's like I didn't see that at any of my liturgy that I saw. I didn't feel like anybody was like, oh, they're so close to God, except through the ritualistic things that people saw. I said maybe they're in better, but I didn't see the vibrancy on a face or in a smile and in a way someone communicated to me when they talked about God. It was almost like they were talking about God like they knew him. And at nine, you start to get this wonder. It's like, is there something different? Is there something special about these people that are expressing these, these, these feelings and, and making me feel these things? Like, maybe there's more to meet, than meets the eye than what I know. And from nine to 10, 11, we moved to New York. I'm in New York. My mom invites me to, uh, uh, there, my mom invites me. My mom invited me by taking me, <laughs> to be more specific. I love you, mom. 
to this, this study at a pe- person's home and he was preaching the gospel, talking about the grace of God, Isaiah 53, talking about uh, our sin and, the, and what Jesus was going to do for us and, and, and talked about salvation and redemption. And, and he basically said, listen, if you don't want to go to hell, you need Jesus. And me in my lightning quick mind said, I don't want to go to hell. I want Jesus. And at 12, I committed my life to Jesus. Me and my brother Mike prayed and gave our lives to Jesus in that, in that forum. And it was the beginning of my spiritual journey. But from 12 to about 17, I was in this, this motion of what does faith look like? What does Christ look like? What does God look like? And again, going through my whole you know, maturing time frame. And I remember at, the, at, the, at 17 years old, it was like, am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to be this? Is this Christianity even real? I, I began to have this, this kind of this challenging in my soul. And, and one day, I was, I was just spending some time contemplating and, and praying and I, 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 the Lord just came alive inside of me and I was like you know what God I, I trust you with all my life and I put the Bible over my head and said I'm going to follow your word for the rest of my life I surrendered my life to Jesus and that was the beginning of an explosive Christian faith that you get to look at today of someone that sold out to Jesus amen someone that sold out to Jesus and the impact of a selling, surrendered soul to Jesus changed the context of my humanity. Not perfect. I can't say I never doubted again or had struggles or challenges. That's just not true. But the sense of knowing God, that surrendered soul that said, I am in, changed everything for my life. I said, I want to be known and I want to know you. I give you my life. To know God, the first step that every one of us has to take is the step of knowing God. And again, knowing God doesn't mean you go to church every day. It doesn't mean you pay your tithes. It doesn't mean you're good to your neighbor. All those things are fine and good. But listen, only you can know whether you know God or not. There are many a people that have called themselves Christians that know they do not have a personal relationship with God. They don't feel close. They don't have any connection. They feel far from God. I want you to, today, I want to invite you, like me, to make a decision and a choice to surrender your heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and experience what it's like to know God. If you do, your life will never be the same. It is the first step that we take in the dynamic purpose and plan that God has for our lives. It's an invitation to surrender our lives, to know God. And let me just throw this out as I close. I, I threw some scriptures down that you're going to have in your notes when you go out. You can take a look, look at them again. You know, the whole foundation of, of our relationship with God is based on one thing. God loves you and created you to know him. That's the basis of it. He loved you, he made you, and wants to be in relationship with you. You have nothing to do with the ability to be in relationship. God loves you and, and wants to be in relationship with you. For God so loved the world. That's the beginning, right? God's love for you. He loved the world and wants you to be in a relationship with him. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this, the the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and life to the fullest or life more abundantly. He wants you to have an awesome life. God loves you. Jesus wants you to have an awesome life. And we say, well, why am I so lonely? Why am I so angry? Why Why am I so depressed? Why am I so disappointed? Why do I feel so far apart from God? Because we all have the same problem, and it's called a sin problem. We, we have, we're in, inherent in our nature is sin. It doesn't take long for us to see the problem. And every one of us that exists in our life. The, Romans 3 says this, there is none righteous, no, not one. Billy's not righteous outside of what Jesus can do that makes me righteous. I only stand before you today as righteous, not because I go, let me tell you what I did to be righteous. 
I go, let me tell you what God did in me to make me righteous. That's what I'm telling you right now. What God did in me to make me righteous. Not because I stand better than anyone else. I do not. It is the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus that redeemed me. So that I could know him. You know, we all have this tendency to do what we want, how we want, when we want, anytime we want. <laughs> Left to our own devices, we separate ourselves from God. The devil doesn't have to do anything. You'll separate yourself from God on your own devices because you know better. You know how it should go. You, when you think about it, you're like, oh, I, I, I know. And the truth is, you know nothing. You credit yourself as having this great wisdom on discernment of how you should understand God when the truth is the only way you'll understand what it means to serve God is to surrender to him first. It's when we surrender. The Bible reminds us, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Even when we didn't show interest, God loved us. Romans 5 says God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. When you didn't care, when you didn't want them, God said, that's all right, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a plan. I I'm going to engage myself in them. And Jesus shows us the path, the way to God. Jesus makes the statement in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me, you'll get to God. Jesus makes the declaration, how do we come to God? It is through him. He died in our place to prove it. He paid the price that we couldn't pay. He took upon him the sins of the world so that we could be saved because we needed a savior he took our debt and it's in that name that changes everything it changed my life and it'll change anybody's life that will, will is will willfully will surrender their life to jesus acts 4 says salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given by where a man can be saved we know him through jesus but the gift of salvation requires a response it requires motion you're hearing the gospel message today. God made you to know him. And you don't know him. But to know him can change everything. In John 1, 12, it says this. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So we have a response, right? We have to, we have to believe and accept this is the call for us. If you want to know God, you got to believe and you have to accept to say, God, you know better than me. I, I'm the problem, not you. I, I'm, the, I'm the one that's messed up, not, not you. I, I'm surrendering myself to you. I want to know you. And I accept and I believe that you've made a path for me. And the good news is the scripture even tells us how to do that in Romans chapter 10. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Now, what I just did for you was give you the gospel presentation. Two reasons. Number one, some of you need to know God. You might have gone to church your whole life, but you know that you know that you don't know God. You've never surrendered your life. You've never said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. You've always taken your Christian faith kind of, well, this works for me or that doesn't work for me. And instead of going, God, I just want what you have for me. And maybe today is the first day that you say in your soul, in your heart of hearts, I, I need to know God. I want to know God. I promise you it is 
it will change the course of your soul. It will change the course of your eternal destination. It will impact you forever. You know, in Matthew 7, Jesus was having conversations with people, and he, he brought up this statement in, in, in Matthew 7. Throw that scripture for me in Matthew 7. Um, it's back just a few. Um, he, he basically says this. He says, some of you are going to, many people will call me Lord, Lord. Many people are going to call me Lord, Lord, Lord. He goes on to say, some of you are going to do miracles, you're going to prophesy, you're going to cast out demons, you're going to do all these great things. He says, but at the end of it, God is going to say to them, I never knew you. That's the same word, Konosko. I, I, you, you don't know me. You know you don't know me. You, you got into the form of it. You got the, the space of it. Yeah, you like the feel of it, but you never knew me. I don't want that to be true for any one of us here, and the Lord is inviting you today to know him. To be in relationship with him, to start this journey of knowing God. Growing healthy. Discovering your purpose. And making a difference. It begins with knowing him. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute? For some of you, this is a life-changing moment. People don't know what you know. Matter of fact, people believe something about you that you know is not true. But today, you're going to make it true because you want to know God. He wants you to know Him. If this morning this message convicted you and in your heart of hearts, you say, Billy, I, I need to know God. I want to know God. And today I am going to surrender my life to him. Every head is bowed. I'm going to ask this. And again, this is a significant New Year event. If you're here today and say, Billy, that's me. Today I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Raise it. Just again, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. We're going to do something today. And we're going to do it again. Maybe for you it's a fresh commitment of surrender. Maybe you've been loving the Lord. You've been faithful, but life has not been surrendered. But today you're going to say, I'm surrendering my life to the Lordship of Jesus. I'm going to confess and believe and receive salvation and forgiveness of sins. And today my life starts. I want you to join together with me, those that raise their hands in particular, but every one of us. Let's make this fresh commitment of the new year that we're going to surrender our life to the Lordship of Jesus. To, to some to be born again for the first time, but to the rest of us to be renewed in our faith and excitement in him. Let's pray this prayer. Say, God, thank you that you made me to know you and you invite me to know you. And it is through your son, Jesus, that I have the chance to be saved from death. And today, with all of my heart, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe in you, and I accept you as the king of my life. And from this day forward, I will follow you. I choose you with all of my heart. I surrender. Be my Lord. Thank you for loving me. Lord, I pray now for every person here that today would be the beginning of what is going to be an exceptional 2023. of a fresh connecting with you, a fresh knowing you, a fresh, a fresh mode of, and Lord, knowing you, I know is every day. We do it every day. We commit to you. We surrender to you every day. And I pray that today is the beginning of what will be a year of exceptional grace.
and hope and peace and accomplishment in your kingdom and through our lives. And I pray that you bless us as we follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I really hope God moved in your heart today. And if you're in the Scottsdale area, I'd love for you to come and visit our campus on one of our Sunday services. You can find details to our service times on our website. I also want to thank our faithful givers. By giving towards our podcast, you're able to help us reach people from all over the world for Christ and fulfill the mission of Oasis, which is to love God, love life, and love people. God bless.